0: This is episode number 77 with Justin Constantine. Welcome to American Snippets, your source for inspirational, motivational, and selfless stories and interviews from exceptional people across the nation. And now, here's your hosts, Barb Allen and Dave Brown. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. Happy New Year to you. Thank you for joining us on today's show. My name is Dave Brown. I'm a real estate investor, lifestyle entrepreneur, and the co-host here, along with my partner, Gold Star Wife, author, and speaker, Barbara Allen. Now, we haven't had a show uh, for you in about a week and a half with Christmas and the new year. Uh, We took a a little bit of a break, uh, but the new year is here. 2019 is here. And we have an amazing lineup for you getting started to kick off the year. Some incredible guests coming up, including uh, Mark A. Rockefeller, uh, Steve Sims, uh, the author of Blue Fishing, and Robert O'Neill, the man who killed Osama bin Laden. And uh, again, it's 2019. We want to make sure we kick it off right, and we want to make sure you kick off the year right as well, uh, because we're going to have our best year ever and we want you to have your best year ever too. And one thing that we see way too often is uh, with the change of the year, people just expect that things are going to get better. Uh, They say things like, this is gonna be my year, uh, because the universe deems it that way. But the truth of the matter is, uh, it doesn't work like that. The only way you can make it your year Is by putting in the work because our life is a direct reflection of the actions that we take every single day so certainly 2019 has a lot of opportunities for us all uh, but it'll be up to you to put in the work and capitalize on those opportunities but the good news is You're not alone. Again, we started America's HIPITS with a mission to help people get real about the life that they wanted to create for themselves, to to live their own American dream. And that mission dictates every guest that we bring on the show, the, the decisions we make and the actions that we take, both as a company and as individuals who believe in the American dream and the opportunities that exist for us all. It is why we do what we do. And we are here to help you. Throughout 2019 and every year after, no matter your goal, we want Barb and I want you to know that we got your back. So let's all make 2019 the best year yet. All right, so let's get on to today's episode and today's guest, combat veteran and wounded warrior Justin Constantine, has overcome immense challenges in his life. Uh, catastrophically injured by a sniper's bullet, Justin owes his life to the heroic actions of his fellow warriors with the care of numerous medical professionals and the love of his wife Justin continually taps into his own positive mindset in order to live his life to the fullest today Justin is an inspirational speaker author corporate coach and leadership consultant he is a chief business development officer at JobPath, which is the fastest growing veteran employment platform in the country in this episode Justin shares shares his story of combat injury and recovery he talks about the mindset that sets a person up to overcome any challenge in life so without further ado here is barbara allen with justin constantine
1: hey there welcome back to another episode of american snippets i am your co-host barb allen Do yourself a favor wherever you are as you listen to this and crank up the volume because you absolutely do not want to miss one single word of what today's guest has to say. Justin Constantine, he is a retired lieutenant colonel in the United States Marine Corps. He has such a diverse array of military and civilian careers and awards, which are a reflection of his own intellect, drive, patriotism, and resilience. Justin's survival and recovery from a sniper's bullet are part miracle, part superhuman strength, and part support. Today, Justin is widely recognized in military and civilian communities as well, which is no small feat. As a, as a TEDx speaker, he's an author, a corporate coach, a chief business officer at JobPath, which is described as the most robust and fastest growing veteran employment counsel, uh, platform in the country. Today, Justin is gonna share with us not only his extraordinary story of service and injury, but the insight he gained from his extraordinary recovery, information about some of the nonprofits he's involved in, his life as a renowned speaker, and his thoughts on how we as Americans can push off of our own struggles to achieve our own American dream. Justin, thank you so, so much for A, for all you've done, and B, for taking the time to be with us today.
2: Well, thank you, Barb. Hopefully your listeners are still awake after that introduction. and Did you just say
1: I bored <laughs> our listeners?
2: <laughs> well, you spend a lot of time talk about me, which I can't imagine is that interesting. so um, I'm, <laughs> but the point is I'm really happy to be here with you. today.
1: I'm happy to have you here too, even though I think you okay. just called me boring, but we'll no, get it we'll no. get <laughs> no, no. <laughs> That's okay. I like I like it when we keep it honest. and now now I know, tone is set. Here we go. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> so Justin, let us start off first. I mean, you have, like I said, in that introduction, I had to write it down. Um because <laughs> I had a I had a the cut and paste, right? Your your sure. your resume is so huge and so diverse. The awards you've won, all this stuff, uh the jobs you've had that I really had to kind of narrow it down. But let it let us kind of take it from the point where you picked up your career sure. as a United States Marine, what inspired you first off to, to join the Marines?
2: Yeah, it started, my interest started back in high school. A friend of my father's was a Vietnam vet, a Marine officer. And I think he realized his sons were not going to join the Marine Corps. And so he, <laughs> I was the focus of his attention. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so I was like a little recruit. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, he, he talked to me about it. It sounded good. He gave me one of uh, Senator James Webb's book called Fields of Fire about being a platoon officer commander in Vietnam, which was an incredible book. And it just inspired me. I ended up applying for a Navy ROTC scholarship. Did not get it um, in hindsight, rightfully so. And uh, But so I thought, okay, well, I guess that's it. I went to college and, and didn't realize there was an opportunity to really join the military. It wasn't until I was in law school at University of Denver out in Colorado and I was working at the school gym and a buddy of mine came by Just a chat. He was leaving. I said, where are you going? He said, well, I'm going down and talk to the officer recruiter for the Marine Corps I said, what are you talking about? We're 27. We're you know old guys, you know, we're way too old I, to Yeah <laughs> At the time, but he said no, they have a special program for lawyers and so I said, well tell him I'll come see him tomorrow And wow. I did I went yeah, I went down and saw him the next day. That was in April 97 they were able to move some slots around for Officer Canada school that summer. And they called me in, I guess it was like late May or early June, and said, "Can you can you get to Quantico, Virginia, in a week?" And I said, sure. And I packed my car and canceled my summer job and drove across the Oh, my country. God. Yeah. All right. And so then-
1: right there in that little clip, <laughs> A, I want to go back. I have to ask, why do you say you rightfully so were not awarded that ROTC oh, scholarship? you know,
2: I-, I lived in Northern Virginia. It's a very competitive area. There's yep. tons. Yeah. So, I mean, I had a regular GPA, like. Three, right. three, or something like that. You know, it's very competitive, uh, um, and so that, that's why I say that.
1: Okay. Just, uh. um, and then, so you have a you have a career as an attorney. Like law school yeah. is that's like that. You know, that's no casual commitment, right? Like, to go yeah. through, to go through law school. But you're willing then to step away from that full time civilian career at, in law that you just studied and went through all those years to gain. To apply to the military?
2: Yeah, so I was in, I was in law school. So law school is you know if you're going full time, it's three years long. This was towards the end of my second year. So the summer after okay. my second year, I went to Quantico, went to Officer Canada School, was commissioned as an officer, came back and finished my last year of um, law school. And so I came into the Marine Corps as a lawyer.
1: Wow, and so. Yeah, as a JAG officer, which is something else. At another point, I'm going to pick your brain apart from my own okay. experience. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe on, on another, like, off, you know, <laughs> sure. off-interview conversation. I'd love to. Um, so now you're in the Marine Corps and you are deployed.
2: Well, um not, not quite. I on active duty, I served as a criminal defense counsel in Okinawa, Japan, right. and then as a criminal prosecutor for about four years at Camp Pendleton. So that was my active duty time. I left active duty in '04 as a captain. So I had tons of great trial work. You know, really enjoyed my time. Uh, and it wasn't until I joined the reserve the next year, in in DC, again with a. Uh, it was actually a group of lawyers who teach the law of war and Geneva Convention to. Uh, Marines who were deploying to Iraq and Afghanistan saying say, no, what they could and could not do there. And then in the the spring of 2006, I volunteered to transfer to a different unit that was going to deploy. So I did not deploy as a lawyer. I was there as a civil affairs team leader.
1: Right. Okay. So now you're over there. So tell us first, like, what are some of the cases that you would handle Like when you were in Okinawa and (laughs) and all that? What are some? Because not a lot of people, maybe now it's in the news more, but... Not many people right.
2: think about. Uh, that full, very, very full caseload. Actually, it was in that regard. It was excellent. I mean, in Okinawa in one year as a very junior officer, I had, I think, a dozen fully contested case, court martials, which are, you know, real trials, some mm-hmm. jury selection to sentencing. Uh, let's see. The, the crimes range. From something as serious as rape um, to refusing an anthrax vaccination to bur- burglary, travel fraud, assault, um, drug use. So a, a yeah. wide variety of crimes, just like you might find in a regular small town. But uh, you see,
1: yeah, and that is a point that I think is well worth noting, too. I mean, because, and this was a lesson I you know, I learned the hard way in my own life, but there's the perception, and I, I'm going to clarify this quickly so it doesn't sound like I'm going about down a bad road, right? <laughs> but sure. there is a the perception that anybody who is in the military is, by definition, simply putting on the uniform, some sort of person that is infallible, right, and not subject right. to the same problems. But that is not the case. There are people who get into the military who slip through the cracks, and there are people who kind of take a different path once they're in. So, and that's not to harp on the military or like trash the military. I'm saying the importance of people in that system to catch those people and within the ranks of the military to like kind of catch on and kind of course correct and. Yeah. Do what you can to sequester them and keep the, you know, to filter that out of the military and keep no, the you, military you're, you're strong. You're exactly right? right,
2: Barb. There's, I mean, it's a microcosm of American society. There's yeah. all sorts of people, and people coming to the military with different backgrounds and they're exposed yeah. to different things. One, and I think you're kind of talking about how maybe leadership could be a part of the solution. And I I think that's true. Um, I submitted a brief as a reservist with with an active duty lawyer for a a sailor who – had come back from a deployment with a sterling record, he had PTSD, self-identified, was not getting the help he asked for, ended up assaulting someone and getting uh, administratively separated with other honorable conditions, which meant he couldn't, was ineligible for VA benefits. And there's a lot of those cases, and it's, it's disheartening to see that folks who I'm certainly not saying all veterans have PTSD or, right, or, right. If, they, or if they do, that, that, that they're a risk. Right. Yeah, I'm not saying that at all. But right. for those who do need help, if the leadership solution is, well, we're just going to give them bad pay and get them out of here after we they've done great on deployment and service, to me that's a leadership failure. And I think leadership right. should bend over backwards to make sure that, that we're putting out a better quote unquote product than what we received. And, and I think there is a lot of room, at, uh, small unit leadership, all the way up to, to the top levels for that
1: yep and i I love that you're willing to that you see it that way too sometimes when I start down that question, people get very defensive, but no, I think it's so 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 important. I think the people who are serving deserve to be kind of protected from unnecessary harm, right the people in the yeah. ranks and to keep the morale unit high too so I love that you did that once upon a time, I had a very bad view of defense attorneys um you know like I think it's pretty typical, right? right? But my life experiences have taught me the error of my way. So, <laughs>
2: there we go. So
1: I like, I like to, to, speak with, to speak with people like that. Okay. So let's fast forward a little. And we won't spend sure. too much time on this, but obviously this is a turning point in your life and a pivotal yeah. part of your message and your story. So take us, if you will, through that day uh, on your deployment when you were injured.
2: Yeah, um, well, let me just kind of set the scene a little bit. So yeah. I, I deployed, you know, as a civil affairs team, leader, we had a civil affairs group uh, in uh, Naval Station Anacostia, which is uh, with uh, Bowling Air Force Base, and it's a joint base in Washington, D.C. So we're a reserve unit. So I came over and My orders were in June of 2006, so uh, I met the rest of the unit then, and we deployed about two and a half months later. And so we trained very hard there in D.C. and local bases around there. Um, We knew we would be attached to an infantry battalion once we got in theater. As I had a small team, there were less than 10 of us. So our headquarters was in Fallujah, uh, but our team was. Um, attached to a Marine Infantry Battalion, 3rd Battalion 2nd Marines out camp with June, but they were in an area called Halbania, which is in El in between Fallujah and Ramadi. So in 2006, very kinetic time for the Marines there. We had troops in contact every day, everywhere. This is right before the surge of 07. So the insurgency was very powerful then. So lots going on. So with civil affairs, our mission was to help um, Create relationships with local Iraqi leaders. So really, basically, so put the young men back to work there, um, uh, get them provide opportunities of something good and productive to do, and inject money into the economy and help rebuild so much that was destroyed. So, and really, to jeez, that's quite know, the task. Well, it was. Yeah, it wasn't so task. And uh, when General used to talk about coin, which is a counterinsurgency, uh, you know, plan, this mm-hmm. is part of that. Like w- we want to convince the locals that. You know, they call it winning over the hearts and minds that, like, we're, yep. hey, we want to be part of the solution. We're not just here to, you know, kill everyone. That's not what we're trying to do. And so, mm-hmm. but it's hard to do that in a kinetic environment where there's fighting going on yep. all around you. And so that was the environment that we had. Um, we got there uh, two weeks after I got there. We were on our first night night patrol, and, and one of the vehicles in our convoy was bone-up in IG. I, I was in the front with a night vision goggles. so I saw that. Wow. Our Marines reacted perfectly. Though two weeks after that, uh, and I know I know you were asking about when I was shot. But no, that's okay. kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. Please. Um, two weeks after that, we we're on a foot patrol with the colonel, the battalion commander, and the rest of his jump team, and we, we we're looking for IEGs, and we we're trying to find um, uh, a couple of folks there that we've been looking for for a while. A lieutenant and I got very close to an IEG. We saw there was a bump in the road. we were trying to figure out what it was. It went off, and I remember this and. Thank God the person had put it in backwards because the lieutenant oh, right. and I were sprayed with dirt and gravel, but if it had been done properly it would have been metal and killed all of us and it wow. was bizarre it was bizarre to get up, brush ourselves off and then continue controlling for several hours and I like nothing help- happened
1: like you like have to happened. just <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> like we weren't like, just wow that's crazy right. uh,
2: like I yeah. couldn't help thinking that man. Two months ago, I was in an air conditioned office in Washington <laughs> D.C. practicing law, but here I am. And, uh, so I remember that fully. I don't remember uh, when That's I got a shot. Cause I, yeah, so I was, you know, I was shot on. It was October thousand six. So just over twelve years ago. Uh, I mentioned the Colonel, Colonel DeGrossier, who was an incredible Marine leader, and I was on his jump team. A dozen of us who were closely together we actually knew each other from playing marine corps rugby together on active duty so that was kind of cool but once yeah. i got there and checked in with him i realized that you know we we went out on a lot of patrols to so he could check on his marines he had a huge area he was responsible for and he wanted to go to all our ford operating bases and look at his marines and make sure they were doing okay like any good leader would and so
1: yeah.
2: we were in an area near one of our our FOBs, our Fort Operating Bases, and we knew a sniper was in the area. He'd already killed a few of our Marines uh, in the past couple of weeks. Uh, we had a reporter with us that day who was doing a story about the Colonel about third battalion, second Marines. And, and so, uh, I noticed the reporter was not standing, or he was standing quite still at one of our previous stops at a police station. And so it was just a terrible idea if a sniper could be tracking on you. And so, We got to our next stop, and he and I were in the same vehicle. And As we were walking away from the Humvee, I said, um, Hey, Jay, you need to move quicker here. Don't forget about that sniper. We don't want something to happen to you or something to that effect. And and Jay told me later, uh, he called me like a year later, and told me that based on that, he took a big step forward. And a split second later, a bullet came in where his head had been, hit the wall between us. And so that was incredible. Uh, Before I could react, the next round hit me behind my left ear. So it was a headshot, exploded out of my mouth, causing incredible damage, of course. Yeah. The the Marines around me thought I'd been killed because I went down. There was blood everywhere. I wasn't moving. And uh, I'm only here because an incredible Navy Corpsman, George Grant, who is a true hero, ran, ran over, exposed himself to enemy fire, performed rescue breathing, even though a bullet just went through my head. and. According to the emergency strike so I wouldn't wow. drown my own, but yeah, I mean, he's like, what movies are made out of? Yeah. And he was 25 years old at the time and had never done that before. So he's, wow. he's incredible. He was able to keep me alive. And then he and the colonel, the rest of the Marines in particular, Corporal Jordan Bueller, a 21-year-old Marine who put his own life on the line and drove us at a high, uh, high speed down roads with IEDs on them. If we hit one, he would have died. He put his own life online for me too and got me to the A station so then they could operate. Uh, wow. On the, yeah. So just incredible. 21
1: and 25 yeah. years old. Yeah, That's exactly. Like,
2: I look back at what I was doing when I was that age. And it wasn't <laughs> anything like that. I'll tell you that. No,
1: heck no. Are you in touch with that? Like, have you ever oh, yeah, been in touch sure. with them
2: afterwards? We're very close with George, the corpsman, um constantly. Um, and Jordan Bueller, several times a year, would touch base.
1: That's great. What an and, and the colonel as
2: well. Colonel George as well. We I've helped him with some fundraising for his nonprofit, and, and I keep in touch with him as well.
1: So, do you think about that at all? All those things that had to take place. I mean, a you something yeah. in your head told yeah. you to warn that reporter, right? right? Like some little voice and you said, "Oh, that's not a good idea," and you acted yeah. on it, and then this happened, and then th- these people were in. In your presence yeah. who did yeah. that and you know literally the difference between life and death is that they took those measures you know maybe oh, for sure. some other people if it had been there wouldn't have taken those measures i mean i, I always break things down like that maybe it's because of uh, my own experience or whatever but yeah. like that's a, that's right there it's just i've thought about many yeah. times
2: barb and, and i said to people look if i i probably should have died like many other folks over there i, I um as you said yeah. part miracle part amazing people whatever that combination is yeah. um and anyone could have done anything differently and i may not have made it and no one would blame yeah. them it was just it was just such a so lucky i've even had a chance to talk to the doctors who operated on me right after that because they invited me to their uh birthday ball wrinkle birthday ball. i didn't realize it was them they invited me to be a uh, guest speaker and once i got there it was a Navy captain who would, who was a commanding officer of that unit and two wow. of the doctors. Yeah, so I – and the, and the, the, the CO wrote me a, a long letter about what happened that day because he said, we saw thousands of Marines while we were here. I remember three of them, mm-hmm. and you were one of them because wow. I remember that day. Yeah, and so he, I didn't read that letter for a week. I knew it was going to be emotional for me. yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I have it at home on my desk, and it was incredible what those doctors were able to do with someone who pro- – But we shouldn't have made it, but they were able to use, uh, develop some protocols um, based on what they did that day, which ended up saving other Marines later as well, which is pretty cool.
1: Wow. See, when you take it apart, when you peel it apart and stop, there are so many ripple effects to the things Uh that happen. Like every little minute detail has an unforeseen ripple effect, you know, for better or for worse. And I I love those. I love pulling that apart. And um, that's great. So... Well, I mean, it's not great, but now, so now you have this injury and you're, I mean, it's great, you know, right. not really, but <laughs> right. so after this injury happens you're evacuated.
2: Yeah. So I was evacuated, you know, right away, immediately to Landstuhl, Germany. In fact, a year ago, I got a random email from an Air Force major who said, hey, sir, I was the... um trauma doctor on your flight. I kept watching over you while well, he you, you, you Googled me and found out my contact information and I'll try a chance to thank right. him too, which is pretty incredible. Yeah. But, so I went to Latin School for four days. Um, I My girlfriend, when I went to Iraq, my girlfriend, Dahlia, left the country also to go pursue her PhD at Cambridge University in England. She was able to come to law School pretty easily because she was in England, typically, you know, folks over there don't get personal visitors because it's so far. And so we were there for four days, and then the doctors decided to assign to send me to the military hospital in, Lans- uh, in Bethesda, Maryland. Yeah. And so we did that, and Gaia decided to drop out our doctoral program to come be with me, even though... This is a lifelong dream of hers to go to cambridge and she's from california she didn't know anyone in bethesda maryland yeah. and, and the doctors weren't sure i was still going to survive what happened to me but when i woke up from my coma dolly was there and was with me every second of my recovery it was our recovery um because Love she was it. such a critical part of that yeah uh, it would have been a if i had a recovery it would have been completely different if she went there and I, and I know that's true because. I saw many other wounded warriors in the hospital who were going through the same things who did not have that kind of support. Yeah. And uh, it's a very different result.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you were also a lifelong dream of hers, right? So she simply <laughs> selected the dream.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I, I told her, you don't, have to be, you don't have to be here. You didn't sign up for this. And uh-huh. it, it, if, if she could have punched me in the head without really damaging <laughs> me, I think she would have been <laughs> saying that. But yeah. her, she said it was a no-brainer to come be with, be with me. And then... I ended up proposing to her a year later, and then we got married in 2008. It's, it's been incredible, and um, she's still a big part. I mean, I still need support on things, yeah. and, and that's what I turn to.
1: Yep. Well, I mean to be fair, every man needs support from a strong woman. I often get hit you know, yelled at when I say them. I like to joke <laughs> around, right? But we yeah. all we all need support in our in our own ways. Yeah. Having that that person who believes in you and you can ride each other's ups and downs and pull That's each right. other up and down. It's a it's a gift. It is a huge gift. And I'm glad you guys both have that in your life. I mean
2: I a mean, hospital can be and, yeah. and there's many other challenges in life, but mine was in a hospital and that that can be a very lonely place when people leave and go home and the Mm -hmm. visitors you know after six o'clock at night and when you're just you know lying on a bed thinking this is what life is going to be like you know i'm horribly disfigured i I can't eat i can't do anything on my own what you know three months ago i was completely different what's so
1: Four months ago, you were in the air conditioned office. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and now you're back. Yeah, that's yeah. wild. So, those the injuries when you yeah tell, tell people what what those injuries were.
2: So yeah, so uh, my first surgery there was uh, I think 18 hours long, and they wow. took a bone out of my leg, one of my legs, to reconstruct my lower jaw. Uh, ultimately, so I had a number of major surgeries like that. Now I had over two dozen facial reconstructive surgeries and they took bones, and up taking bones from both legs to rebuild my upper and lower jaws. And so I lost most of my teeth. I have bottom dentures now, but lost most of my teeth and my tongue. I really can't see out my left eye just a tiny bit, but not, not really at all. Um, so, so, and I have uh, post-traumatic stress and a traumatic brain injury. And so I, I'm limited in a number of ways on what I could do before, like I can't run anymore, but I can swim, I, I can do other cardio, I can lift weights. Uh, I, I went to counseling for post-traumatic stress for a year and a half, one-on-one counseling with a psychologist uh, yeah. weekly, so 18 months of that, which was a huge part of my recovery. I really encourage other folks to do the same, not just veterans, uh, anyone, anyone who's... Yes. Yeah, I mean, frankly, veterans are who we think of when we think of PTSD, but we're
1: a... Oh yeah, there's le- a lot le- of people. The majority of
2: people, yeah. is from car crashes and right. assault, and. Mm-hmm. natural disasters and you know growing up in a rough neighborhood and, and so the numbers are staggering when you compare veterans to civilians with PCSC. but anyway um yeah. so going to that was a big part of my recovery and and really just so much of recovery i have found is about mindset and yeah. and choosing what path you want to have on life and who you want to be around and how you're going to spend your time and control, focusing on what you can control. We can't control a lot, but we can control what goes on in, in our head yep. and we can control how we spend our time. And so those of, um, spending time with Dahlia on figuring out life goals and five year and 10 year goals and how we want to spend yep. our time. That's all a big part of recovery.
1: It is. And I love, you have a lot of great messages in your talks and, and all this, but, um, one thing that, I have heard you say, is that, you know, because a lot of times people will realize like something catastrophic happens to them. For me, yeah. it was the death of my husband. For you, it was your injury. For somebody yeah. else, it was somebody else, right? And that causes you to kind of take stock in your life. And a lot of times people will change and either come to realize some sort of strength within them or positive nature yeah. or turn bitter. But what I thought was so interesting, you are among very, I don't know that I've heard anybody else specifically point this out that that you were you make it a point to note that you and Dahlia, you were positive from the start so this positivity yeah. within you it <laughs> isn't a result of that rather it just survived the you know the the trauma and tragedy that you guys went through that positivity was not a casualty of it and i i love that you point that out um and how did you maintain so going into it with that positive mindset and i want Touch on this a little, it I wish I had gone into my own life with that mindset, like I can survive yeah. this, I can survive that. when I lost my husband, I had literally said to him, Nothing can happen to you because i can 't survive without you i 'm not interested in life without you, so yeah, when he was lost that 's the foundation i was yeah I was leaning on right so yeah. you the the importance of having that foundation in your life, whether you 've experienced trauma, tragedy, setbacks, or not, talk a minute about. The, the difference that made and how that helped you all through, through that, sure. having that already.
2: I, I think if I had the magic bullet on resilience, the Army and the other branches yeah. would pay me a lot of money to get everyone <laughs> up to sea from a good board appointment. No, but of course. I, I, but but you, you, you are right. It didn't start when I was injured. And, yeah. and I think there are a number of factors that were part of my recovery, including I was 37 years old at the time, and I had already left the Marine Corps once, so I, it wasn't like I felt, "Oh, great! I'm um, wounded. My career in the military is over," okay. which was a lot of a big concern for younger wounded warriors. You know, they never envision this happening, and they, you know, life is over. Also, um, of course, having Dalia there, as we said, but also. Um, I've always been pretty optimistic. I have, I've never faced trauma like this before by no means, but I think just being um, also, I hate to say this, but I was treated differently as a senior officer in the hospital. I was a major, and so I was treated with respect that I did not always see with, for instance, my roommate who was a Lance Corporal but, and, and wow. just being treated well. And, and also when, once I went to other hostels outside the military, I could see how uh, different folks there with different backgrounds are treated. And so I think just being treated you well was in the back of my mind as well and made me feel optimistic so that's a lesson for others to treat other people well because you never know how it's going to affect them but but also I think it comes from being I've had many leadership positions growing up whether it was class president or rugby captain or whatever it was and and I I try to lead from the front and set an example wherever I go I do this in my wounded warrior community I, I try to and so I think that all part of and always thinking life is good and life's going to keep getting better. Um, I certainly wasn't walking around that preaching that from the mountaintops, but that was in my mind. You know, I was always pushing, trying to do better and, and experience life in a better way. And so I think that all wrapped up into the injury. And then... I never had suicidal ideations, and, and thank goodness, I never I never had that. I did not stay on the pain medication a minute longer than I needed to. I wanted to get better, and I, in my mind, I always thought, I am, after I got over the shock of what I looked like and, you know, concerns, I thought I'm going to get better. I'm going to do everything the doctors say. I'm going to do everything the, the physical therapists say. I'm going to follow everything to a T, and, and I did that, and here I am now.
1: Wow. So you made that huge commitment um I did. to that. Where was there a time, commitment aside, you know, saying com- you know, like you committed in your head, but sure. where, how did you how did you keep that commitment to yourself? You know, were there times that you were like this just oh, hurts, yeah. you know, and this is hard oh, and for and, sure. And, yeah, even
2: so, even now I get frustrated with yeah. like I can't eat very because well of problems with my mouth, so I drool all the time. Like this morning, literally getting dressed, I drooled on my dress shirt, and I'm like, it's been 12 years, I'm tired of this. But I thought, (laughs) in the grand scheme of it, I'm so lucky to be here. Others are dealing with a lot worse stuff. I remind myself of that almost daily. And so, I certainly had bad days. I I remember early on in my recovery at home, taking a shower and looking down at my legs and seeing these big scars and seeing the scars on my face and my head was distorted. And I just had kind of a breakdown and just thought, man, you know, like, what is life going to be like? Like, What am I? I can't just go play pickup basketball like I did or go into an office and communicate clearly like I used to or whatever. And um, I think everyone probably faces those things. But. Over time, uh, I've, I've pushed myself. I've chosen to not engage in every activity under the sun, but just ones that are important to me. I want to I engage in fewer things and do each of them very well. And that's been a big part of, of my mental recovery as well as seeing, you know, I went to, I stayed in the reserves after I was injured. I went to the Marine Corps, Marine Corps Command and Staff College as a reservist. And so we had a small class, but that was the, uh, there were two of us who were undergrads honor grads in our class. And that was a big uh, milestone in, in, in my mind because I thought I got shot in the head, but here I am still able to compete in, yeah, um, that's mentally. Great. Yep. You know? and, and so if we kind of take sight and, and not just immediately move on to the next goal, but appreciate those little, little steps along the way and, and cherish those. Like when I was in the hospital, walking with a walker, learning to walk again. At first, walking 10 feet to the my door and back. That was a big deal. And so taking time to celebrate those little steps along the way, that that really, I think, builds self-confidence and makes you push to the next level.
1: Yeah. And thank you for noting that too. And that was something that I wanted to touch on because sometimes people who are trying to push past to achieve some goal or push past some setback, they can feel like if they have a setback, if they have a breakdown for a day that they can yeah. They can feel like they failed, like that—that that signifies yeah, failure. No, but that no is, in fact, a natural part to recovery and healing and overcoming. You have to allow yourself to fail. So I'm so glad yeah. that that you said that and shared that because some. I, I hate when people feel like they have to give up because they broke down. It's not weak. You're not weak no, when you break no. down. you lose those. I think it takes strength to acknowledge that you need that time to just. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna let this happen now. I'm gonna just That's right. <laughs> go into it. That's right. And so I can get past it. So yeah. I. Th- yeah. So thank you for sharing that sure. part as well. So you mentioned quickly that you, like you had touched on that, and I want to go into it now. Some nonprofits. Uh, you, you talked about the mentorship that you you include in your nonprofit oh, work, but you are in yeah. fact on the board of several nonprofits. But can you take us yeah, through those?
2: Yeah, I'm on the board of, I've been on the board of the Wounded Warrior Project for quite some time. I'm coming up to my end, my, the end, I have like one more year, I think, but maybe it's been like seven or eight. It's been quite a, seven or eight years, It's been quite some time, yeah. which uh, has been, been very educational. And, and I started off as a recipient, as a Wounded Warrior, receiving Wounded Warrior Project's um, support. And so when they asked me to join the board, that was pretty... Awesome. A pretty big deal. Yeah, yeah it was a pretty yeah. big deal where i feel like i'm helping yeah. in a different position help other wounded warriors so i'm on the board of wounded warrior project another group called psych armor uh which which has a mental health background but does a lot in in the veteran space really not helping veterans per se but all other folks who are working with veterans help educate them about veterans and caregivers and, and military spouses and then uh, I actually co-founded a nonprofit three years ago with an Army friend of mine, Scott Davidson, and it's called the Veteran Success Resource Group okay. because we felt like there are so many nonprofits that came up after 9-11, it's overwhelming yes. if you Google it. And so we thought we need to have hold some events, so veterans, Transitioning Service members and veterans in whatever community um, could find out what those local resources are. So it started in Northern Virginia and then up here in New York where I live we started hosting these events and maybe have like 40 or 50 nonprofits and schools and employers and mentors there and all free for everyone. And then just have a space veterans could come and walk around, find out, Oh, I need something on mental health or I need a, a loan for my business. Or I, I can talk to the VA about GI bill or a military spouse looking for work or whatever it was. Wow. Yeah. So we started doing that and it's grown and grown. Now our events are called Burbiz as in bourbon and business, because we have about 20 it's distilleries great. that yeah donate <laughs> uh, lots of uh, adult beverages for our events. And we have uh, professional athletes there. We have Medal of Honor recipients there, like oh. Clint, Clint is a, a, a supports us in a big way. Scott has lots of great connections. We have tons of employers and, and they're, they're a lot of fun. These events are just build camaraderie. Um, we're having a massive event in April uh, of next year at the MGM Grand at National Harbor. And so it'll it'll be a really big VIRBIS event, um, our typical two-hour networking event. And then there'll be stage time for veteran comedians and veteran uh, musicians to play for the audience as well. And so these, these, not too many events exist like this at this yeah. level. We we have like three or four hundred folks come to each one of our events, and, and everyone likes them. And, and again, they're they're typically free. That's
1: awesome. So where can somebody go to find out about that? What is the website uh, that, for? that's
2: Veteran Veteran Resource Group veteran dot, resource group. dot okay. Yeah, and we have a um, you know a big Facebook uh, presence as well. So so that's that's one group. And the last group that I support is called the GI Go Fund. And that's gigo.org. And that is a group headquartered here in Newark. And, you know, I I live in New York, and so this is very close. Mm they have national programs, they support, uh, they, they host stand downs, they help our homeless veterans, they have toy drives to help need families uh, around Christmas. But also, what's one that I really like is that they just started their own, the very first veteran or incubator for veteran businesses in, in New Jersey. Oddly, nothing like that exists. And so they have space, which is sponsored by Panasonic and PSEG, and Prudential and, and other groups as well to have space so veteran entrepreneurs uh, and, and spouses can come and have space for their businesses. The, the, the okay. organization GI Go Org will GI Go Fund will pay for their accounting services and web services what? and legal things. Yeah, so they don't have to worry about the things that have nothing to do with their business. You know, so they can just focus on you know, what's in their wheelhouse. And so that doesn't exist anywhere else either. No, so it like, really doesn't. I, yeah. I like working with groups that are kind of changing the space uh, and, yeah. and trying to provide new services. So I'm excited for, to see what the GI Go Fund is, is able to do here.
1: That is awesome. And what I love yeah. about those two is that it is so, there are, like you said, so many nonprofits popping up. Yeah. And I've been in this community for over a decade now, right? And yeah. I still don't yeah. know all of them, but, yeah, I've, oh, yeah. but yeah. I've seen them popping up. But so many of them, and not to take away from what they do, but, you know, it's great to have the one-day events where you can come celebrate and party and hang right. out and hike and have some yeah. wine and do some yoga and all that, right? Yeah. But, but then you go home from these events, and you're like, well, now what? You know, now it doesn't <laughs> do anything to push you forward. And sometimes right. people can get trapped in the cycle of just going to those events and going to these events. So I love that. Yeah, no. I love yeah. that what you're doing is like, hey you get in because of where you've been and what you've done but now what are you going to do like you know let's, right. let's move forward and that's phenomenal and so much of the struggle is everything you described in the in the um, gi go fund those are the things that keep people down like it can be frustrating to have to navigate all those complexities yeah. and all that and you 're already dealing with so many things like reassembling to life and family and getting back together now you have to learn this whole business right. and and so to do that, I would be so curious to follow up on that too and see yeah. the see the side effects of you know follow your success sure. stories because I think that's that's phenomenal and like I said you know i 've out here all these years and i 'm still hearing of new ones so there's, right. yeah there 's also people I can link you up with to help get those words out too, yeah. across the country because this is a newly emerging thing I know of a few of a handful of people acknowledging the same thing like hey there's so many of us there's so much overlap let's help people find it and get through the noise now so right finding that network and that one chain where people can get the word out I think was would be
2: yeah because it it is a challenge but you're right Um, yeah you know our our community, we take care of our, we take care of our own. It's great to uh, for us to tell each other about what we're doing. I think that's critical. But we also have to, you know, constantly be looking for ways to include other folks who aren't veterans because that's the, that's the vast majority of Americans. So many want to help. They just don't know how to how do to it. How to do and the more it? Yes. We can work together. The better.
1: Yep. Awesome. So now you, again, part of what you do is you are a, spe- <laughs> a speaker and you right. go to venues. All over. You go to colleges, right. you go to corporations, you go to private events. Um, tell us, A, what, you know, at what point did you say, you know what, I'm going to use my story and I'm going to yeah. tell, like, how, how did that evolve into? It's one thing to, like, be at a Rotary Club or a community event and say, right. hey, tell your story, but, you know, to, to evolve <laughs> yeah. that into, no, for this sure. is what I'm going to do. Real
2: business, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, I continued. After I recovered from my injury, I stayed in the Reserves, I went back to work full-time as a lawyer at the Department of Justice, and then um, uh, on Capitol Hill, and then with the FBI uh, in D.C. on the counterterrorism team as a lawyer, but supporting a counterterrorism squad. I wrapped all that up in 2013. I, I medically retired from the Marine Corps, and I have been doing some seeking on the side. I got permission from the FBI to do that, and so I was I had been asked by a couple, like you said, rotary clubs and small groups and <laughs> Marine Corps birthday yeah. balls and stuff like that, which right. is not a business model. Right. And uh, no. so I was like, oh, you know, well, I was pleased that they wanted to hear from me. And yeah. I have a background as a seeker, as being a trial attorney. And so then I started being approached by different companies and, and getting paid to duties. And I thought, okay, I, I could potentially build a business out of this. And I did. Uh, one thing I would highlight to entrepreneurs who may be listening is that I, as I said, I built this on the side. So I had my full salary from mm-hmm. my job all the time. And then I waited until I retired from the military and the medical retirement is the same as a regular retirement. So I started getting paid the next day and I have BA comp as well. So I had a safety net in case I actually couldn't get business, right. but I waited and made sure I had things in place. So that was five years ago. And so I, I started speaking at smaller events, but um, mm-hmm. I've grown and my fees have increased and I yeah. spent a lot of time on my website. I've written two books, I write articles all the time. I, you know, so I, I've grown the way you're supposed to and right. try to try leverage my networks. And so, as you said, I, I speak all over the place. This, around Veterans Day this year, I spoke at Apple out in, out in California. I, I spoke at, I don't know, probably in a given year, I'll probably speak to, 20 or 25 corporations and then okay. i do i do still do some events are free to do military um groups and nonprofits, and sometimes schools though um but not not everyone who asks but i do have a right. certain number that i do and then uh i also do a lot of mentoring for for speaking as well because there's a lot of uh, particularly veterans who want to get there and tell their story and it's not it's not easy it's not no it's not you, you know no. you're an army of one unless you have an incredible story um Maybe a Medal of Honor recipient or someone like that who has uh, agents who, who's doing a lot for them. For most of us, it's just like what you go through. It's a yep. lot of business development, and you have to you're in charge of everything. So it's 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 a hard it's hard work, but very gratifying.
1: Yeah. So, what are some of the things that you that you speak on? Like, what is the difference sure. on the talk you would give from in to Apple versus at, yeah, so uh, I, at Yale you know, or something?
2: Sure. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, okay. Well. You say, yeah, but I spoke at the Princeton Club, for instance, a here. In, in, I, know, know, I, of
1: course I got that no, no, wrong. No, no,
2: no, no. I, I didn't <laughs> okay, know no. you even knew about that. That wasn't no. a highly celebrated I thing. Just,
1: I just guessed. I figured <laughs> you'd speak <laughs> at those venues.
2: <laughs> yeah. So Apple, for instance, was on Veterans Day. And so they have a, you know, I spoke in front of On the same stage where Steve Jobs launched the iPod. So that was kind of so that was kind That's of cool. Fun. So I spoke and so did another veteran. He was pretty awesome guy. And Jimmy Hatch, who was a Navy SEAL for over 20 years, yeah. he was in in the Bo Bergdahl, uh, one of the Bo Bergdahl rescue missions who was shot in the leg, yeah. Um, And so we both talked about just our story. It was almost like a TED Talk where we had about 10 minutes to talk. And so I just talked, I focused on um, overcoming adversity, Uh, a little bit on my story, but about how, you know, overcoming adversity and and how that applies to regular day at work in the private sector. but if, and then when I talked to the Princeton Club, for instance, it was about leadership. And then I moderated a panel of uh, three veterans who had done incredibly well here in New York. Uh, and so we talked about the leadership skills that are in the military and how that applies to the private sector. But usually I go and talk to corporations about leadership, overcoming adversity, teamwork, and that you're stronger than you think you are, and that change is good and you can you can thrive in change. I've been through a lot of change. So I, I take you know, I, I stay in my lane. I'm not all things to all people. Right. I talk about what I know and and then apply it to their audience. It's not just off the shelf. Here's my thoughts on this topic. It's I learned about yeah. that company and what they're going through and, and that way they walk away with, with some good insights.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Okay. And then as we get into our closing part here, sure. we talk a lot about uh, at American Snippets. Uh, part of what why we started this, because we got tired of hearing everybody talk about how the American dream is dead and offer all these excuses as to why nobody was going anywhere with their lives, right? So, A, I would ask you, it'll be a twofold question. We'll start with the first one. Um, How can we here in this country as Americans, how can we push through whatever it is that we feel is holding us back and utilize the specific opportunities in this country for, you know, to realize our own version of the American dream the way you have?
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll start with that. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier that you can only control, you can only control so much. You can control what's in your head and how you think and how you react to things, and you can also choose to what activities you want to engage in. And so, one one thing I learned as a window warrior is that you know, I lost control over everything. You know, something happened that day and I couldn't control it. And I couldn't control anything after that for quite some time. So I think a lot of other wounded warriors feel the same way. We want to be in control of our lives. And I think everyone really wants that. And so I I don't want to be a pinball that's just bouncing around randomly random way and letting other people make decisions for me. So mm-hmm. when mentioned at the top, of the piece that i'm the chief business zone officer at jobpath and that's because i think JobPath is an incredible platform for veterans i want to spend my time um you know as a seeker but also working on this because for me employment was a big part of my recovery in in, in getting some sense self sense of worth and really pushing through when you talk about the american dream yes there our country faces challenges just like every other country does. There's lots of macro events going on and nothing's perfect, but there are tons of opportunities here, especially for veterans and military spouses. I believe that America cares, whether they're left, right, or center, I think they care about us and want to help if they know what we're looking for. And so as veterans are typically not that great for asking for help. We're not great at networking initially. We're not great at, um, you know, that but we have to you know we have to be okay with saying here's on here's who i am here's my elevator pitch mm-hmm. here's what i want to do you know can we can we work together and if not all good but it's not personal it's business so you know I, okay. I just think that we have to we're used to talking about the team and the mission and the organization that we're in and that that that, that that's not a great mentality, it's great while you're in the military, it's not so great when you're an entrepreneur and it really has to compete in a very busy environment. So, I would just yeah. recommend to folks, pick a few things, pick incremental sets, have have a long-term goal, but have short-term goals, and have things you can cross off your list so you feel like you're really accomplishing something. There is a yeah. difference between being busy and being impactful. and and. Yep. less time being busy and, and just sort of knocking off things that you know will help get you to where you're trying to go
1: yeah that's a huge thing for your mindset too to keep going even when it's hard like okay well yeah. at least i accomplished a b and c today the feeling of accomplishment is important to feed that uh, otherwise you're you, you know you go the other way okay right. so right. as we talked about that then what when i would say to you what does the american dream mean to you Justin
2: Constantine, yeah. what does the American sure. dream mean to you? Uh, for me, the American dream is, you know, I, I'm now an entrepreneur. Now I'm a business owner, and so it yeah. centers around that for me. And that, that's not for everyone, but that's for me. And it, it means living in an environment where we, where we have opportunities to to grow, as, uh, and we're not we're not really shackled by a government that gets in the way of that. Uh, there are. Um, we live in an environment where people typically want to support each other maybe not our main competitor but other folks mm-hmm. we, we have access to a lot of people through the internet and through events I mean I go to a million networking events or fun events and I'm constantly trying to build my relationships here Here in America at least the places I've been that mindset is alive and well people appreciate entrepreneurs here I believe and, and we also have a strong sense of community at a very local level which I think Everything starts at a local level and and there's opportunities there, no matter where you are in the country.
1: Awesome. So speaking of you being an entrepreneur in your own business, we're going to wind this down. I want to give you a chance to talk about JobPath and the the company that you've built and how it's changing things for veterans.
2: Thank you. JobPath has been yeah. here for six years. I'm, I'm a late addition to JobPath. I've just been here over a year, but uh, I joined it because, you know, I've worked with other veteran employment platforms, but this one brings such powerful technology uh, to the veteran space, and that's why we get 24,000 veterans and spouses wow. every, every month. Wow. Yeah. And so I was, when I, when we say we're the most robust platform, that's true. We have about 200,000 in our uh, candidates in our database actively looking for work. Not people wow. who signed up five years ago, but people in the last 90 days, because everything's free for the vets here. I mean, the companies have to pay, but everything's free for the veterans. So. We have over 200 courses they can take to for business skills and life skills to supplement their resume. We have a mentorship portal. They can build their resume. It's very easy to build. And ours is the only site that's guaranteed to work with every company's applicant tracking system, the computers on the back ends, because we work with all of them. A lot of times veterans are frustrated because they submit a resume and don't hear anything back. And they think, oh, well, that company actually doesn't really care about veterans. Mm-hmm. A lot the of times they never got it because they, they – there's a technology, very, yeah. but because sorry, but because we are a, uh, can you can you see me okay? Yep. Yeah, okay. Well, because we are a technology platform at our core, we can do the answers never know. It's always yes. So if a clients like, hey, can you build this tool for us? Yes, we can. So we offer all this stuff for veterans. We offer even more for HR professionals because if they're not happy, if they don't know how to hire veterans, yeah, none of us push forward. So. We just launched, I just, one last plug, we just launched a partnership with SHRM, which is the Society for Human Resource Management, the largest HR association in the country. Wow. And so, yeah, they have 350,000 individual HR members. So now SHRM is offering a platform uh, to hire veterans, and we're the back end resource for that. And so, every other provider like us has been trying to partner with SHRM they published my book on veteran employment earlier this year awesome. and now yeah and so now we have this relationship and we think this is a game changer for veteran employment so that's yourjobpath.com awesome,
1: awesome. justin awesome. thank you so much i'm going to highly recommend everybody <laughs> justin <laughs> where can they follow you online and find out yeah, everything I, I that I like, you're doing i
2: like linkedin the best uh most actually there of course i'm on facebook and twitter but really linkedin as a business person, I appreciate it the best.
1: Justin yep. Constantine. Justin Constantine on LinkedIn. Yeah. All right, everybody, you heard it. Um, I hope that everyone listening has pulled away at least one of these solid <laughs> nuggets that he's had to offer. Go ahead and follow him on LinkedIn. Connect with him there. and You can always, always learn something and grow your network there as well. That is a pretty good platform. I like it myself. Justin, thank you so much for taking sure. the time to be with us today.
0: Of course.
1: Thank you, Barb. All
0: right. Thank you. All right. That wraps up another episode of American Snippets. Thank you again for tuning in today. I would also personally like to thank Justin Constantine for sitting down with us and sharing his story. If you want to learn more about Justin, check out the full article that we did on Justin. You can re-listen to this podcast episode and you can watch the full video interview as well over at americansnippets.com forward slash 077. It's the featured article of the week. If you got some value out of this episode, please let us know your thoughts. Share it on social media. Tag us at American Snippets. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And most importantly, uh, if you enjoyed this episode or any episodes that we've done in the past, I mean, we've interviewed all kinds of people, uh, celebrities, entrepreneurs, business owners, military heroes, people who are giving back and doing things in, in just a, a really a, a big way, um, people who are paying it forward. Uh, if you got any value out of any of these episodes that we've done in the past, all we ask from you is to share this with a friend. And leave us a review on iTunes. iTunes reviews are so important to help us get discovered, to get our podcast in front of more people. And more importantly, get the guest stories that we feature here in front of more people. Because they're empowering stories that uh, can propel you forward in life. And we want to make an impact, right? So the more people we can impact, the better. And a little review from you (laughs) would go a really long way. So just want to thank you for being here today. Uh, That wraps another episode. Go out and make 2019 your best year ever. Again, don't just be inspired by our guests. Let their stories propel you into action in your own life. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. We'll see you next time.